Hi, hello and welcome. This is the Zone Cast where we interview emerging Canadian professionals, entrepreneurs and academics. And today we have with us on the show Anne Kavukian, a three-term privacy commissioner and executive director of Global Privacy and Security by Design Center. Uh, hi, Anne. How are you? Welcome to the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Perfect. So I'm definitely very excited for this interview and learn and talking all things privacy with you. Um, can you tell us about your professional and personal background? Of course, I was very fortunate um, to uh, become appointed as the Privacy Commissioner of Ontario a long time ago. We're talking in the late 90s. And I served for three terms as the Privacy Commissioner of Ontario, 17 years. It's a long time. And I, I brought a very different approach to the position because I wasn't a lawyer. I'm a psychologist. That's my background. I was interested in um, all things related to privacy, but from the psycho psychology department. And so I studied psychology and the law when I was in graduate school. I focused on privacy. And then I was very fortunate eventually uh, to become the assistant commissioner and then the commissioner uh, in Ontario. But the, the approach I brought was different. Because I wasn't a lawyer, I didn't just want to rely on regulatory compliance with the law after the fact, meaning after a breach has happened or a privacy infraction. You go to the commissioner, they investigate, and they issue a remedy. Very important. But I thought that was too little too late. I wanted to prevent the privacy harms from arising. So I created Privacy by Design, literally over three nights at my kitchen table in the late 90s. And Privacy by Design is all about being proactive, embedding the much needed privacy protective measures into the design of your operations, into the policies, into the code, bake it into the code, into the data architecture, so that you can prevent, ideally, the harms from arising. I wanted a model of prevention, much like a medical model of prevention. And this had never been done before. So I have to tell you, you know, it was met with some resistance on the part of my lawyers because it was not a legal approach. And I said, I value the law enormously, and of course we will apply the law completely, but I want something to complement the law so that we can prevent privacy harms from arising at all. So I was very fortunate in that it really took off. And in 2010, uh, there's an International Privacy Commissioners and Data Protection Authorities Conference, usually in Europe. In 2010, it was in Jerusalem. And at the end of a three or four day conference, we have a half day where we introduce, commissioners introduce resolutions that everyone votes on. I introduced a resolution that privacy by design should complement regulatory compliance. And to my delight and amazement, it was unanimously passed. So privacy by design became an international standard. And then it just took off after that. It's been translated into 40 languages. And when I was commissioner, not a week would go by when I wouldn't hear from some jurisdiction telling me what they were doing to implement privacy by design. So it's, it's been a wonderful time. Wow, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Um, can you tell us about the roles and responsibilities you had when you were working as the privacy commissioner for three terms? So our job was to ensure that any complaints relating to privacy were investigated very completely and quickly. I didn't want this to take years like it does in some jurisdictions. We moved fast. 
And we had great luck with this because, see, the other thing is, as commissioner here in Ontario, I had what's called order-making power. I could order the offending department or organization to comply with what I was telling them to do, to be in accordance with the law. And that was the stick that was very valuable to have, but that I rarely used. I, when people know you have the stick, they want to work with you because they know they're, you know, you can make them do things. I didn't want to make them do things. I wanted them to work with me. And that's what we tried to do. Informal resolutions on how to address the privacy breach that they had or whatever the problem was. And when we approached it that way and we worked with them to find solutions, it was always much better than using the stick and making them do something. Mm -hmm. Because if I ordered them to do something, they would do it, but they wouldn't like it and they wouldn't do more. I always used to tell my staff, let's treat privacy as a business issue, not just an issue of regulatory compliance. Because companies will do more if they think their business interests will actually be strengthened by protecting privacy. And in this day and age, where there's such a trust deficit and there's so many privacy breaches and surveillances on the rise, companies want to retrieve the trust of their customers. So if they work with us to achieve a solution that isn't because of the stick, but that we can say, and this organization chose to go farther than what was required by law, and they added additional measures to strengthen the privacy that they're offering to their customers, they love it because then it shows that they're doing something in addition to what's required, the minimal requirement by law, and that appeals to their customers. It preserves their customers' loyalty and it attracts new opportunity. So I always wanted to make it a win-win if I could. Oh, that's that's amazing. Um, where do you think are the privacy challenges or issues uh, ordinary Canadians are facing um, on, on a day-to-day -day basis? Unfortunately, centralized data collection by the Facebooks and Googles, they, they create honeypots of personal information that basically belong to these companies. And it's really hard to prevent them from doing other things with it, using the information in ways, in ways that were never intended to give advertisers an opportunity to pitch their products and services to people. This is without the consent of the individuals. That's what I object to. So centralization has created huge problems in terms of the potential for tracking and surveillance of people's activities, marketing, advertising to them, etc. About a year and a half ago, Tim Berners-Lee, the creator of the World Wide Web, he went public with just such, a, such an impassioned plea. He said, I'm devastated at what I've created in the World Wide Web. It has become an instrument for tracking and surveillance. That was never what I intended. I'm going a different direction now, away from centralization, decentralization. I'm creating a decentralized model called SOLID. And he started the movement to decentralization. Because if you decentralize people's data and you do it securely by encrypting the, their data and it can reside on a secure enclave in the cloud that is encrypted and has a lot of security in it, then you put the individual in control of their own information. I always like to remind people, privacy is not about secrecy. secrecy. It's about personal control relating to the uses of your personal information. Only you know the context associated with the information. So only you know if it's sensitive or lacks any sensitivity. 
I always tell people, look, you want to give away your information, be my guest. Privacy is not a religion. As long as you make the decision consciously what you want to share and with whom. So that notion of personal control, which is so important, is basically gone in a centralized honeypot of collection of data. In a decentralized uh, data collection, then it falls under your control. You're the one who makes the decisions relating to its use and disclosure. That's what I love about the movement towards de decentralization. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, so once someone finds out that their data has been breached by a particular organization, what, ca what can they do about the breach? So most, virtually all countries and, and organized, uh, provinces, certainly in Canada, have privacy commissioners who are independent and oversee the activities associated with the privacy laws in their jurisdiction. So you should always go to the privacy commissioner, file a complaint if you think your data has been breached or hacked or whatever, and have them investigate on your behalf. They're there to serve your need for privacy and if there's been a breach or any privacy infraction, they will investigate. That's 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 a great service that uh, people have at their disposal. Absolutely, we're we're very fortunate to have that model, and here in Ontario, we're completely independent of the government of the day. And believe me, that is so important because if I wasn't independent of the government, I mean, I'm sure they would have fired me on day two <laughs> because I took this very seriously. And we went after all privacy infractions, data breaches. And we had expectations of the government that they had to follow very strong privacy measures. So we were very fortunate. And other jurisdictions have privacy commissioners. Uh, most of them are independent. It depends on the degree of independence. I reported directly uh, through the Speaker of the House to the entire Legislative Assembly. So I had enormous independence. So who does the privacy commissioner report to? Uh, it, as I said, I reported to the Speaker of the House, Speaker of the House in the in Ontario, and that was huge because the Speaker is independent of government, okay. and that's why the independence is so important mm. that you can have. Because believe me, the government won't like what you're doing because a lot of the time you're finding <laughs> conclusions that aren't what they want to hear. So that independence is absolutely critical. That's that's amazing. Um, in a workplace context, um, do employees need to be concerned about how their own employee is hand handling their personal information? Do you think there is that kind of breach that happens? I'm sure there is. And certainly employees also have privacy. Now it's different. Employees have obligations to their organizations who employ them. And those requirements need to be identified at the time they're employed, at the time of hiring. You know, you are required to do X, Y, and Z, which may require some sharing of personal information. So those decisions have to be addressed right up front. And once they agree to that, then those are the terms. So if we were to investigate, it would be the first thing we would look at is what were the expectations of the employee and what were they informed of in terms of the requirements and privacy issues. But certainly their personal information, not in the context of their job, but you know any personal information they might have relating to their family or where they live or activities like that, that, that should be completely protected. Mm -hmm. What do you think about people who say you don't need to worry about privacy if you're doing nothing wrong? Drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. If you have nothing to, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear, right? Wrong. I always used to say that could have been the motto of the Stasi police. 
in the, in the Third Reich because they would have been the ones saying, if you're a law-abiding citizen, we have a right of access to all your information. What's the problem with that? The problem with that is that that's not freedom. Freedom is about law-abiding individuals having a right to control their personal information. And if they choose to disclose it to the government or others, great. If they are not compelled to disclose it, then they should be the ones to make those decisions. Like in, in terms of taxes, you have to give the, 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 you know, the, the country where you reside um, tax information and payment. I mean, that's the rule of the law. And so you have to do that. But then they are obligated, that government department, to protect that data very securely and to only use it for the purposes it was intended, for purposes of taxation, etc. So the notion that law-abiding citizens who have nothing to hide should disclose everything is absurd. Freedom is predicated on privacy. You cannot have free and democratic societies without a foundation of privacy. And so you have to be able, you know, we talk about blue sky thinking and creative, crazy, wild ideas. You have to be able to think of these things. And if someone is looking over your shoulder, you are completely hindered by having these crazy, wild ideas that might lead to the apples of the world. You know, Steve Jobs, brilliant, brilliant founder of Apple. You may not know, he was big on privacy. And he used to buy a new white Mercedes every six months less a day. He would take the old one in, get the exact same model, a new one, take it out. Why? Because in California at that time, you didn't have to get a license plate for six months after you bought a new car. He didn't want a license plate. He didn't want to be tracked. So he would just take the old one in, get a new one, and he still had another six months. He would take it. It just cracked me up. I love that. After he died, California changed the rules. So you don't have six months anymore. You've got like a few weeks. Wow. But it just showed people, brilliant, creative minds, value privacy so they can have their crazy ideas, half of which you know may fall to the ground, but the other half may be great or not. Privacy breeds creativity and innovation. You have to allow for it. Also, it breeds freedom. It's no accident that Germany is the leading privacy and data protection country in the world. It's no accident that they had to endure the abuses of the Third Reich and the Stasi police. And when that ended, they said, never again. Never again will we allow the state to rob us of our privacy. And they stood by that. During my three terms as commissioner, I went to a number of conferences in Germany. Every conference was started with a reference to that time lest we forget. We cannot forget, and we have to insist upon privacy. So this is something I'm curious about. How is Germany better than Canada in terms of privacy? Oh, for years, they have led the way in privacy and data protection. We have strong uh, privacy laws at the uh, provincial level, not that much at the federal level. They don't have order-making power. The commissioner doesn't, unlike we did in Ontario. And our laws have not been upgraded in years. I mean, the Privacy Act, Freedom of Information Privacy Act in Ontario was created in the 90s. There's been no significant upgrade whatsoever. And the federal private sector legislation, PAPITA, was enacted in the early 2000s. Our federal privacy commissioner has been asking repeatedly for the federal government to upgrade our law and introduce privacy by design, my formulation, into it because a few years ago, in the European Union, they introduced a new law called the General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR. And that came into effect a year and a half ago. 
And in it, they included my privacy by design framework and privacy as the default, which is the second of the seven foundational principles. And that, for the first time, made our law in Canada no longer equal to the law in Europe. We have always enjoyed what's called essential equivalence with the privacy laws in Europe, unlike the United States, for example. But now, for the first time, we no longer have that status. So our federal commissioner went to the government and said, we need to upgrade our law. They've done this in the EU. They, we no longer have essential equivalence for the first time ever. And they've included privacy by design in their law, which was created by one of ours, a Canadian, Anne Kavukian. We've got to put that into our law. So in February of last year, the federal government introduced a paper to respond to that. And the cover of the paper was towards privacy by design. So we were optimistic that they were actually going to do this. But they've done nothing since then. So unfortunately, our laws are no longer have the status of those. Mm -hmm. So where, where do you think the FIFA Act is lacking? You know, it's just been around for so long that issues like facial recognition, surveillance, all the CCTV cameras out there, technology, the, the, all the activities that promote surveillance on technology through geolocation tracking, etc. These issues have to be addressed. They're not addressed because in the 90s, none of these were issues. So I'm not saying it's a bad law. It's a very good place to start, but we need to bring it into the 21st century. Mm. And it's not there. Okay, that's that's interesting. So you've also um, recently started your own practice, which is Global Privacy and Security by Design Center. Um, and you, you collaborate with KPMG to provide privacy certification. So tell us more about this sure. uh, practice. Well, the reason I did, well, first of all, the reason I decided to start my own consulting firm is people have been asking me to do this for years. And I thought, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. But I also wanted to emphasize the vital need for privacy and security by design, to have both of those. While the term privacy subsumes a much broader set of protections than security alone, in this day and age of daily cybersecurity attacks, if you don't have a strong foundation of security from end to end with full lifecycle protection, you're not gonna have any privacy. So you can't view privacy versus security or the other way around as it's presently viewed as a zero sum game either or, win-lose, that's utter nonsense. You have to have both, and they can both work together. So I wanted to start this company to show people how you can do both together and how you will succeed far better at delivering both privacy and security if you combine them end-to-end, hand-in-hand. And that's what I'm trying to do. With um, KPMG, we're offering privacy by design certification. Because ever since the GDPR, the new law in the European Union, came into effect about a year and a half ago, everyone's been clamoring for privacy by design because it's included in the GDPR. So they're coming to me to be certified. And you need someone to go in and to the company and look under the hood, so to speak, to really audit and assess what they're doing to make sure it complies with the seven foundational principles of privacy by design. And so KPMG, had offered to do this. They developed a very good certification practice. And that's so it goes hand in hand. They go in, they investigate, they audit, then they provide me a report with their recommendation. And if they find that the requirements have been met, I'm very happy to issue certification. 
So it's a win-win. And companies who do get certified, I tell them, don't be quiet about this. Shout it from the rooftops. Tell your customers the lengths you're going to to protect their privacy and how much respect you have for their privacy. They will reward you with the repeat business, their loyalty, and it will attract new opportunity. Because I always tell them, if you do privacy by design, you're going to gain a competitive advantage over the other guys because there is such a trust deficit now. You will be able to build trusted business relationships with your customers that the others won't. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you think organizations right now are not giving enough attention uh, and directing enough resources towards privacy because they see it as a cost, but not necessarily as a profit generating activity? Exactly. But also security. The, the companies, there have been so many breaches, as you know, and so many class action lawsuits. And when people investigate, they just see that the companies under-resourced security. They didn't devote enough resources to security, let alone privacy. And for whatever reason, they think it's not a big deal. Well, now they're realizing it is a big deal because it will cost you millions upon millions to address this after you've had a data breach. And the loss the damage to your brand, to your reputation, may be irreparable. We no longer have Target stores here in Canada. They had a massive data breach around four or five years ago. The CEO of Target in the United States resigned. The president of Target Canada was fired, and there's no, there just no more Target. <coughs> Excuse me. The cost may be irreparable. So I always tell companies, get smart, get proactive, do it ahead of the time so that you can prevent the privacy breaches from arising, much like a medical model of prevention. You would never allow cancer to develop and then offer them chemo after the fact. I mean, what an unthinkable proposition. I don't want them to allow privacy breaches to happen unaddressed and lead to data breaches that are going to cost millions. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so what kind of privacy breach happened at Target? I'm trying to remember. It was about five years ago. The personal information of a vast number of customers were somehow breached and accessed by unauthorized parties. And this just spread like wildfire. And it was so unfortunate because they didn't catch it in time. What they offered in its place was insufficient. And once again, you know, companies are caught, excuse me for this expression, with their pants down and they're not prepared. <laughs> 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 Sorry about that. I know that's not very professional. <laughs> no, it's, but it's, we see that again and again. Companies are under-resourced. They don't devote sufficient resources to security and privacy. So uh, I guess until until they get sued, they don't realize the value of taking privacy measures. It, it, and it's unfortunate and crazy in my view because they read about what happens to companies who do have these data breaches. It's, it's mm. first-hand news. When Capital One had a massive data breach a couple of months ago now, a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember, I had so many media interview requests on that subject. Like this, the media's all over it, and people were aware of this. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you can keep these data breaches quiet anymore. Yeah. You can't. What, what was the nature of the breach at Capital One? It was like banking customers' information... Data breach. And, this, and it was an inside job. It no was, way. It, it, often it is. That's a surprising thing. It's insiders, employees, someone who was working for Capital One, took a massive amount of information, put it out there, 
through I don't know, Twitter or Facebook wow. or some ridiculous thing. Wow. It was crazy. That's why these things aren't like well thought out. It just happens, which is why you have to protect internally privacy and security so strongly. Mm-hmm. People think it's always outside external jobs. Sometimes it is hackers, etc. But a lot of the times it's insiders. Mm-hmm. I think this year or last year, there was some ransomware attacks oh. to um, healthcare clinics or hospitals. Uh, I, I know it happened to the uh, at the clinic where my family doctor works. Oh. She she did, um, I believe oh. this last year or this year, and maybe even a hospital was affected either in Ontario or Alberta, I'm not sure. Um, do, do you know about that? And and what do you so do many. about there ransomware? So many. And in the past, people used to say, well, we're not paying ransomware. Are you kidding me? They're paying it now because <laughs> the bad guys are releasing the data, which causes so much more havoc yeah. and harm to the companies than not doing it. And especially hospitals with all the medical, sensitive medical data yeah. they have on patients. Healthcare data and financial data are the most sensitive personal information out there. So companies are now doing it, they're taking it seriously. You know, try, maybe they try to negotiate them down a little bit, but you have to address these issues and you can avoid the ransomware if you devote sufficient resources to protecting your data so you're not a magnet for the bad guys. Mm-hmm. So I guess the key is in terms of preventing hack is, hacking is they have to either delete the data they lo- no longer need or they... Encrypted. Encrypted. Very strongly. Once hackers go to a site and they see it's encrypted, I mean, if they devoted enough time to it, they might be able to break the encryption. It's not worth it. It, It's just, it takes way too long. So they just move on to another target. And there Mm. are so many out there. Mm -hmm. So I always tell companies, don't make yourself an easy target. At least encrypt, put up firewalls, etc. to make the bad guys go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So I guess encryption and firewalls are, can we say the minimum that is expected of organizations, legally speaking? Well, I don't know that it's a legal requirement by law. For example, in Ontario, it's not in Canada. Okay. But it is such an obvious, you know, laws always lag behind technology. (laughs) So first of all, we have to be straight with that. And technology is just moving at such a fast pace. You have to add additional measures always. That's why in terms of people following privacy by design now, It it is part of the law in the EU, and hopefully it will become part of the law here, but don't wait for that. Do it now. Proactively embed much-needed privacy protective measures into the design of your operations, into the policies, but most importantly, into the code. Bake it into the code. Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting. Um, And tell us about your certification uh, that you offer and how does that work? What, how, can, how, do, how can a company get certified? So KPMG has a site. You can visit their website for certification. And they're great. They'll move on it very quickly. The first thing they'll do is they'll come visit you with your permission. You know, companies come to me. I send them to KPMG uh, with their consent, of, of course. And KPMG will come and visit you at the company and review, you know, the, the, how much or how little you have in terms of what needs to be certified. And what? let me make it clear, we don't certify a company, we certify a product or service because huge companies will have you know dozens of different services they offer and we can't guarantee that they're all at that same high level of privacy by design. So it's products or services that get certified and we've done so many and the number is growing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so in terms of privacy, privacy breach, I guess um, companies can face class action lawsuits. But let's say if you are an individual and you're the only one who had a privacy breach, they, you can go to the privacy commissioner. But I guess from a legal recourse perspective, you're kind of limited because you're just one person and taking legal action against the organization, you think may not, would, would that be enough grounds? It's, it's hard to take legal action um, generally on your own in terms of the expenses, etc. Yeah. If you go to the commissioner's office, they won't take legal action on your behalf, but they have lawyers. They will investigate on your behalf, and they will determine, yes, there was um, a violation of the privacy laws. There's a breach. They'll give you a ruling to that effect. Mm-hmm. And as I said, in Ontario, they can order the organization to take corrective action. If it's a company you're dealing with, you know, federally under PEPIDA, the federal private sector legislation, you can go to the commissioner as well. As I said, he doesn't have order-making power. You might just want to go to the company as well and deal directly with them. In fact, here's the unfortunate part. The federal privacy commissioner, Daniel Terrien, issued a ruling against Facebook in terms of Cambridge Analytica. It was obvious that they had violated privacy requirements, but he doesn't have order-making power. So Facebook said, well, we disagree. Hmm. We, you know, we don't, we're not going to pursue this. We don't agree. The privacy commissioner under the law had no recourse other than to take it to the courts. And he's done that. He's now taking the case to the courts to get legal action under the courts. And he has the prerogative to do that, but he can only do that rarely because of the expense involved in taking a Facebook to the courts, you can imagine. It's huge. I think... Facebook was foolish in making that determination because now it's going to become a much bigger deal than if they just resolved it informally with the Privacy Commissioner. So stay tuned. But again, unfortunately, our Federal Privacy Commissioner of Canada does not have the power he needs in terms of independence and order-making power, which is critical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the big mistake that Facebook made is that they explicitly and publicly disagreed with the privacy commissioner. I know. And believe me, when the commissioner investigates, he leaves no stone unturned and he stays to the letter of the law. Yeah. There was no question. I mean, you know, that the rulings against uh, Facebook in, in the United States, um, they were charged, you know, $5 billion by the Federal Trade Commission. In Europe, it's presently under investigation. They will be charged there as well. Under the GDPR, you can be fined up to 4% of your global revenues. So imagine like 4% of global revenues of a Facebook. I mean, it's huge, millions. So you're right. It would have been better to just keep it under the radar, agree with the Privacy Commissioner of Canada, do the limited amount he could make you do, but they chose not to do that. Yeah, and and now, as you said, it is definitely affecting their brand reputation. Um, after the uh, famous interrogation that the Zuckerberg had to deal with in front of the U.S. Oh. Congress... <laughs> <laughs> that was like five hours long or it something. Was gr- grueling, <laughs> you, you know. Can you imagine? Grueling. <laughs> yeah, and then, but what is interesting is after that famous interview interrogation, uh, now that when you go to many websites, you get this privacy notice or something. Before you, you wouldn't see that as much or never, but now you see that because they 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 see okay such a big giant. Was sitting there explaining exactly. themselves. Exactly. So, so the small just, guys or the other guys are are taking action. Draws attention to it. 
Yeah, because they don't want to be in that position. Exactly. Uh, and 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 it's it's particularly interesting. But the fact that privacy commissioner has uh, of at a provincial level has some powers, but at a federal level they don't have powers. Right. That that it's is crazy, a, isn't that's it? a bit unusual. It's absurd. I thought they would have at least the same amount of powers, if not more. But I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. It it's it's a it's a mystery as to why that's the case. And Commissioner Terrien has gone to Prime Minister Trudeau multiple times seeking additional power and has gotten nowhere. Very mm-hmm. disappointing. Mm-hmm. So do they also report to the uh, same representative that the provincial commissioner reports to? No. Or do they actually report to the government? To the government. Okay. So that could be a challenge. We're very fortunate in Ontario. Challenge, yeah. Because if you're reporting to the government and you're asking for more powers... <laughs> that you can use like, uh, use against the government. <laughs> exactly. That's why I was so fortunate to have that independence. Yeah. I could never have done most of my rulings without that. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's interesting. So, uh, as consumers or individuals, what steps can we take to to uh, prevent privacy breaches? So I always tell people, provide the least amount of information when you're, let's say, you're in a physical store, an offline store. You go in, you buy something. Obviously, you give them your credit card. They might need an address to deliver the product or service. But then they might ask you some additional information. Um, often, even if they're not delivering, they ask you for your postal code and stuff. So do what I do. I, and I do it nicely. I say, oh, um, why do you need that information? I'm assuming you're going to protect my privacy very strongly. Uh, can you tell me what, what measures you have in place? The clerk you're dealing with won't have a clue. They'll get the manager. The manager will come. And the minute the manager realizes you are concerned about your privacy, they are there with you. They'll say, oh, oh, for sure, we'll protect that data. We'll put walls up around it. We won't use it for additional secondary uses unless we have your consent. But you need to raise the question. And by doing so, and you can do that online as well, always ask, what do you do with the information? Does it go anywhere else? It's so important to do that, to raise awareness. It doesn't take long, it just takes a minute or two. But just by posing the question, it makes a big difference. So provide the least amount of information required. And, you know, if you're doing searches online, use, um, don't go to Chrome, use a search like a DuckDuckGo. I always tell them, DuckDuckGo. I know I have to ask them why they came up with that. It's literally the word duck twice with a go at the end. No spaces in between. They protect your privacy completely. They don't share your search requests for anyone like like Chrome does at Google. Because you can imagine if you're searching for something very sensitive for, you know, cancer medication or other, some medical, whatever. It's sensitive information which could reveal a great deal about you. Mm-hmm. That should be completely protected, and it is. If you are sharing information with a financial institution, obviously very sensitive, ask them to encrypt your data. They should be doing it anyway. They're just asking a few additional questions, looking under the hood. If you have a time, take a look at their privacy policy, raise questions about it. I know people don't have time, but I would say just one or two extra minutes can get you a lot more privacy. Okay. Well, Anne, it has been very nice uh, <laughs> speaking with you and learning about you and your background you. and privacy and uh, all the best for your new practice. Uh, hopefully more and more organizations will get privacy certified. 
yes. uh, by, by, by Anne Kavukian. By design. So, <laughs> by design. <laughs> how, can, how can people learn more about you? Um, do you have a website you want to share? So it's, it's like my email, um, but it's, it's my name, Anne.Kavukian. Well, I'm giving you my email, sorry. It's GPS, GPS by design. So GPS as in Sam, by design center dot com. And that's my website. So please come and take a look at it, gpsbydesigncenter.com. And if you have any questions, you can pose them. And please just remember, privacy forms the foundation of our freedom. If you value freedom, then you value privacy. Awesome. Well, listeners, hopefully you will find this episode to be uh, insightful and helpful and uh, informative. And uh, you can obviously visit the website that Anne mentioned. Uh, to learn more about her uh, practice and how she can help you become privacy certified and and you can learn more about privacy on the website and thank you so much for listening to zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes